He reminds God of his character. He, he reminds God of what he should be doing. And, and he reminds God perhaps of what he's not doing. Anybody ever done that? <laughs> ever found yourself praying for somebody else and just sort of telling God what he should be doing in their life? Yeah. And so, so, so this, this prophet, he looks around and he sees, he sees stuff that he considers to be wrong. He sees what he considers to be injustice. And he says, God, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? What, why aren't you intervening here? Why don't you, like there are all these people doing all this stuff. Why don't you just come and take them down? Get rid of them. Come on, come on, bring some judgment. And, and most of us are not really bold enough to, to pray that we, you know, God, bring judgment on, on our friends or whoever's upset us. But we sort of think it. And then he finishes, he finishes his grizzle and he's complaining. And I guess he felt a bit better. And God's thinking, oh, well, you feel better. Glad you do. But it's interesting, when, when God speaks to him and speaks this amazing sense of revelation and vision, he, he positions himself to be able to receive the word of God. He positions himself to receive. And, and if, you, if you look at Habakkuk 2 verse 1, he says this. He says, I will climb up onto my watchtower. I will stand at my guard post. There I will wait and see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. And, and I think, who's ever thought, who's ever been in a season, you think, oh, God's just not speaking. What, what's going on? And, and I think sometimes we've, we've actually got to, first of all, Consider if we want to hear from God, if we want that revelation in our life, nobody wants to live a Christian life that is dull and boring and disconnected from our Father. And sometimes it does feel like that. And I think often we haven't positioned ourselves to be able to, because I don't think I don't think God goes silent. But we've actually got to position ourselves to be able to hear. And Habakkuk does three things. And then if you want to position yourself for vision or revelation, the first thing he does is he says, I will climb up. You see, he was, he was actually down in the complaints. He was down in the disappointment. He was down in the disillusionment. He was down in the stuff. And, and you don't have to, to go very far through your week before you feel down in the stuff, do you? Like, like sometimes you can be, oh, we, 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 you know, you have a great weekend and, oh, yeah, church was good and we felt inspired. And then Monday morning you, you go to, you're off to work and all of a sudden you find yourself down in the stuff. Or in, sometimes in our case, you know, we're, we've had a, a great weekend. Last weekend was Vision Sunday, fantastic weekend. We're, we're, we're inspired and, and 
finish, finish Sunday with a, a great catch up with with our business guys from church and we're all strategizing and talking about how we can actually see a, a more resource actually come in so we can finish this project here and we're getting excited about that. You know, Monday morning, we're getting kids to school and it's flaming hard. <laughs> They're not helpful. In fact, we've got one goal and one vision and they have another one. And you find yourself down in the stuff. So he did three things. He climbed up. In other words, he got out of where he was and he actually got a God perspective. And and what does that look like for you? I want to encourage you, if you're down in the stuff, and we're we're all down in the stuff at times, and, and the way God spoke, he said, hey, come on, climb up here, come up and get a God perspective. In other words, get yourself out of the stuff Lift your eyes and start to look a bit further afield. Start to get a bit more of a picture about what I'm doing. So so Habakkuk, he says, I will climb up. I will climb up onto my watchtower or guard post. I will climb up where I can actually see. And I think sometimes we actually don't want to climb up because we sort of don't mind having a bit of a wallow. Have I got any friends here? (laughs) I mean, it's been a flaming hard year and, and I just need to wallow here a bit longer. There is a difference between moving through something and taking the time that you need to heal and wallowing. Yeah, that's right. So, so he climbs up. He gets his God perspective. The second thing he says is, I will stand up. I will stand at my post. And what does that mean? I think it means taking responsibility. He says, I will stand at my post. I will stand where I am supposed to stand. In other words, nobody else is actually going to take responsibility for you being able to hear from God. He says, I will stand at my post. I will stand where I can actually, God can speak to me. And, you know, I can... I can encourage people at times, you know, you, me, somebody else can give somebody a prophetic word and, you know, we might be on the money or we might not be, all those things, but it's, it's only you who can actually stand and take responsibility for actually hearing what God says. And, and the, the third thing he does is he waits up. Another version says, I will actually watch and see what God is saying. Now that's a Bit of a funny way to put it, isn't it? I will watch. In other words, you say, shouldn't you be listening? But it actually talks about being alert, being engaged, and actually being ready for what God is going to say. He says, I'll actually look with my eyes. I will read the the, the room, if you like. I will read the circumstance. I'll be ready for God to speak. So when he had climbed up, stood up, and watched up, God spoke. And, and And he says... This, which is, you know, a very, very famous verse, but but it's it's very pertinent to where we are now. The Lord answered me and said, write the vision down and make it plain on tablets. I didn't didn't know they they had tablets back then. (laughs) That he may, that he may run, sorry, I'll, I'll get to start that again. I muck myself up. By making smart comments in the middle. The Lord answered me and said, Write the vision down, make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. 
Or the New Living Translation says, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. Isn't that interesting? Now, I haven't, I haven't run in that many running races, just the ones that you did at school and stuff like that. I probably run more like a duck than a gazelle. <laughs> probably not a duck, but anyway, not fast. But, but I've, I've competed in some in a number of cycling events, and nearly always there are, there are signs uh, uh, around the course that mostly give you direction. In other words, turn that way, don't go down that road or you'll be off course, or, 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 or go that way or this way. What, I, what I've discovered is those signs are, those signs are normally not long. They, they, they don't have a heading and then a, a whole sort of A4 page of text under them. They're really short, bold and concise, that way. <laughs> I've, um, I've ridden in, a, in, a, in an event at Falls Creek a number of times and it's, um, it's, it's pretty gruelling. And the, the last 30 k's <clears throat> happen after you've already ridden 200 k's and climbed over two big mountains. And... and, and what they, they do is, is they try to introduce a little bit of humour to, to help you get up the other side of Falls Creek, which is, is horrible. And, and so there are these signs on the way up, like, you know, saying, saying things like, well, actually, there's one I won't tell you. That there's, a, there's an acronym for a, for a name of a, of a corner where you see this hill in front of you, which is just um, very deflating. And, and then, the, then there are signs on the, on the way up, like, you've got this. Keep going. You're awesome. You know, just things like that and a few other funny things that I can't remember. But, but the thing is, they're not long. They're bold and they're clear and you can take them in when you're in a state of exhaustion. See, God encourages us to have a big, simple vision. I think as we think about the runners, I've noticed in society at the moment and it's not just now, it's been like it probably for a long time. People, people are running. Do you feel like you run all week sometimes just to get through the week? Yeah. People are running just to keep up with things. Running just to get done what you've got to do, get, do. And then the, you, you get other people that are running from problems. Ha, have you seen that? You go to... You go, there, are, there are certain places, and I think, I think Tasmania sort of fits a little bit into this category. Sometimes people have stuff that, that just goes a bit pear-shaped in life, and they think, oh, we'll go somewhere else. We'll get a fresh start. And, and you know, the Northern Territory is classic for that. You know, you, you meet all these people that are, are landed in, you know, Darwin or Alice Springs, and, and it's like, oh, well, you know, my marriage broke up, or this happened, or I went broke, or, or, or stuff just happened. I'm just going to go somewhere else. I'm going to... I'm going to run from where I was to somewhere. And, and, and I think sometimes people around the country see Hobart a little bit like that too. Some are running from their past. Some are just running from stuff. 
Let me encourage you this morning. Let's not be running from, let's be running to. See, the, the, I don't think you can live a life where you don't actually run. You're going to have stuff going on. There's, there's going to be busy times. But, but we've got to not run from, we've got to run to. And Jesus said this, he said in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy, heavy burdens. Come to me, all you who have been running in life and, and feel like you are worn out. Come to me, all you who feel like I, I can't carry this any longer. And he says, I will give you rest. Wow. And, and I don't think that means suddenly, oh, come to Jesus and it's like, you just sort of flop down and, and, and that's the end of your life. Or, but, but he says, you know, make sure that you're not running from. You run to Jesus and, and, and I will walk with you and I will, I will inspire you. That, that, um, that ride I was talking about at Falls Creek, halfway, halfway up this mountain, there's a, there's a, there's a, a place called, um, they have these weird and wonderful names, Trapyard Gap. And um, at Trapyard Gap, they had the last sort of refreshment station that's, that's there on the, on the way up. And, and, you know, you can go in and, and get more water in your bottles and stuff like that. But, but at that one, they, they have these, also there, they had these cans of Coke. And whether you're a Coke drinker or not, I don't normally drink a lot of fizzy drinks and stuff, but you know that that is I nearly every rider takes a coke at that spot and it's the best coke you will ever drink because you know your body is so depleted after after 220 k's of or, or, you know and you just want that sugar you want that hit and it's a bit like just that can of coke that is cold they they keep them in ice and and it's like wow and it actually brings this refreshment to you why you're going that actually gets you up the next bit. And I think sometimes Jesus is saying, you know, like, are you tired and worn out? Well, don't go running away, run too. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that can of Coke in your hand. I am going to put that, that word of revelation. I am going to put my arms around you. I am going to bring refreshment to your run wherever you are. You see, I, I know that God's words bring refreshment to us when we're flagging. I believe that God's revelation is simple, bold and clear. And it's able to be received and carried by those who are running. Those who feel breathless and and tired in a fast-paced world. God encourages us to have a have a, have a bold, simple vision. And, and, and last week, we, we had our vision launch. And at your church, we trust that, that he's given us something that we can communicate to those who are running. Real love. Real love reaches, real love gathers, and real love grows. Real love reaches you. It reaches your friends. It reaches our community. Where does it reach them? It reaches them where they are. It reaches them in their place. It reaches wherever they are. Uh, a real love gathers. You know, Jesus, the first thing that he did when he set out on his mission, when, when, when he actually ha- had gone through his testing and his trials and he was actually ready to, to start work, what did he do? He gathered. 
He went and he called people and he gathered these, these people together to actually share his vision and his mission with. See, real love gathers. Real love grows. So real love reaches. How far does it reach? Gee, you've been in my notes. <laughs> Psalm 103, verse 12. Bendy. <laughs> Has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. In other words, they never meet up. There is no place his forgiveness won't reach. And I bet, I bet there'll be people here this morning and you can think about situations and scenarios in your life. And, and up here, up here you know, you, know that, you know that God forgives. But in here, in your feeling part, you're saying, well, I don't know that he's forgiven that. Or I still carry the, the shame of that. But you know what? The difference between, between our Father and us as people is we're told that he actually he forgets. You see, when, when, when you think he's looking at your failure, when you think he's looking at your sin, he's actually seeing Jesus on the cross and his blood that covers that, so we can't actually even see it anymore. There is no place his love and forgiveness won't reach. Um, Elizabeth was in my notes too. Psalm 36, 5 to 7, it says, Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the highest mountain. Your justice is like the great deep. Your, you, Lord, preserve both people and animals. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. You see, it, it actually describes there. And when you're thinking about how far real love reaches, and obviously it's, it's like the east to the west, there is no limit, it, it the reason it can carry is, is this psalm describes some divine attributes of God. And what do you think they are? It's, it's mercy, faithfulness and righteousness. You see, God is love. We, we hear that and we quote it. And I can remember being a kid in, in Sunday school and we had God is love stickers and we, you know, things like that. And what, what does that mean? But it means he is mercy. It means he is faithfulness. It means he is righteousness. And, and verse 7 from the New King James Version says, How precious is your loving kindness, O God. And, and one of the commentaries I, I read on this suggested that, that the original text, instead of talking about loving kindness, pretty much said mercy. But in our English, we like to get things to flow a bit nicer and, and the words not to be repetitive and, and, and work or connect. And, and so basically, they'd said loving kindness, but mercy and loving kindness are pretty much the same thing. And what does that mean? It, it basically means that a creature <laughs> actually showing kindness and forgiveness 
to another creature that is inferior. So we've had, a, had, a, had our dog stuff going on this morning. And, and you know, our, we, we've got a dog who's pretty bright, but he's also pretty stupid. Goodness me. <laughs> but, but, but even as bright as he is, compared to human intelligence, he's, he's a long way down. And so when he does something stupid, we get annoyed, but, you know, we, 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 we love that silly dog. <laughs> You know, and he, 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 knows, he knows that he shouldn't eat food off a plate. He knows that he shouldn't sneak up on the bench and, and, and take a big piece of meat that's there. He knows that really clearly. He knows that he will get in trouble for that. But he thinks it's worth it. Because he, sort of, he knows that there is mercy. He knows that we will continue to love him after... I don't know if he rationalises all this, but... but <laughs> But you know what? He knows that stuff. So, you know, we in our somewhat superior knowledge and understanding choose to show mercy on that very naughty dog. You see, mercy or love flow out of blessing to inferior and guilty creatures. This was a commentary I read. And it's, it is... The root and the ground of God's character. In other words, we, we haven't got the capacity to, to be all righteousness, to be all justice, to get everything right all the time because we're not God. But, but his character is that he will extend his love and his mercy to us in a limitless capacity because that's who he is. It's the foundation of everything that he actually does. So next time you think, oh, for goodness sake, I've done it again. I lost self-control and I took that piece of food off the bench. Sometimes that's literally happened to me too. And God says, I forgive. And I'm not going to run out of capacity to forgive you. I'm not going to say, well, you know, sometimes, as parents, sometimes we say, oh, look, enough's enough. You know, we, we, <laughs> every day. <laughs> we, 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 we've, we've gone far enough, right? Here's a line in the sand. If you do that once more, there are going to be serious consequences. And sometimes we think God's love's a bit like that. Okay, I have, I've, I've mucked up so many times, I've gone so far, and he's going to draw in a line in the sand and say, enough's enough. No, his love does not stop. His mercy and his kindness towards you is not limited by your actions and even your response to him. It doesn't mean that those things don't have consequences for us in the way that we live. But the way that God views you and his relationship with you is not limited by that. Those things actually limit your relationship with him. 
Because what, what was the first thing that happened with sin? God comes down to the garden. Adam, Adam, where are you? Adam, Adam. Hey, we've been doing this every night. We've been walking down here and having a walk in the garden and, and, and you're not here. Where are you? Oh, God, I'm hiding. I'm hiding. Why, why do you need to hide, Adam? Because I'm naked. Who told you you were naked? You never worried about it before because, you see, shame didn't exist before. And all of a sudden it was like, I need to hide. You see, it was, it was the sin that actually came between his relationship with God. It wasn't, it wasn't Adam that, it wasn't God that didn't turn up. God, God kept his date. He turned up at the same place, same time, ready to meet him where he was, but it was the stuff that meant that Adam had to go and hide. And I want to encourage you. It's our stuff that will limit where, where, where we see God. But, but God is there. He's turning up, same place, same time. He is actually there for you regardless. You see, real love reaches. It reaches you where you're at. Incidentally, in that thing, God, God allowed him to, to deal with his shame. God actually made skins, he made clothes that he could put on to actually help him through that. He will do exactly that with you and your stuff and whatever's going on. He wants you to walk through it. Real love gathers. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works and not let us neglect meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now as the day of his return is drawing near. Now, that was obviously written to the first century church. That was written to the Hebrews. And the writer of the Hebrews says, hey, as time goes on, as you get familiar with this stuff, as the worship gets a bit same old, same old. Not saying that was like that. Jemima did a great job this morning. As, as you get used to the same, same people, as, as just some of the excitement is not there anymore. This was the first century church. He says, don't stop meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. And he said, especially as time goes on. Now, 2,000 odd years later, the return of Jesus' return must be closer. So the inclination, I think, to, to stop gathering, to stop meeting, gets stronger. And our fast-paced world actually just heightens that. Forgive me for a little hobby horse. Come with me. When, when I was a kid, we went to church twice every Sunday. I can think of very few times in my whole life when we didn't. And, you know, mum and dad would gather us up and the young ones would sleep under the pew. <laughs> And 
And if we said that now, people would say, oh, no, we can't do that. Our life's too busy. Now, and that may be true. So I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to compare a scenario of 30 years ago or 40 years ago with, with now. But what I am saying is that I think by and large across the kingdom we've let go of the value that we need to meet together. Yeah. We need to meet together. Yeah. Churches across the world will tell you that, that you know, regular used to be at least every second week. And now regular is once a month. And that's not a pastor talking to you because we just need everybody in church. That's me saying, if we, don't, if we don't gather, if we don't gather, what don't we do? If we don't gather, well, we, 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 we don't get the opportunity to motivate. Motivate each other towards acts of real love and good works. If we, don't, if we don't gather, we don't get the opportunity to encourage. So, so let's, you know, we, we are going to be a church that gathers. And there's no, you know, there's no judgment about whether you're here or not. But, but it's more like a let's gather. Let's gather in our connect groups. Let's gather in our homes. Let's gather on the streets. Let's gather wherever we can. Why? So that we can motivate each other. Who's ever been discouraged last week? Come on, all of us. You know, and whoever thought, wouldn't it be nice if someone just sent me a text or rang me right now with a word of encouragement? Hey, come on. If we gather, we can encourage. If we gather, we can motivate. If we gather, the more we are ready to respond to acts of love and good works. If we gather and you're feeling discouraged, the more likely you are to have somebody encourage you. Why do we gather? Here's his three words. Motivate, encourage, and care. So it says motivate, let's encourage one another, and it says do not neglect. In other words, have care about meeting together. What, what does that mean? It means you actually have to be deliberate about it, prioritise it to make it happen. Matthew 18.20 says... For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. So it tells us there's a, there's a, there's a synergy when we, we actually choose to gather. When, when, you, you know, when you've got something going on, when you actually go around and say, hey, I'm, I'm doing it a bit tough at the moment. Would you stand with me? Would you pray with me? Would two or three of us gather and agree on something and ask God to be in that? That's the, that's the power of gathering. Real love grows. I think real love can't help but grow. Do you reckon they're having more fun than us? Yes. <laughs> I, I, can, I can get louder, I can get more excited. George, we love hearing that. But you know what, when we, when, we get this, when we get this thing built here, 
they'll be able to go so loud. <laughs> they, they, they can be swinging off commando ropes and having so much fun that every kid in the northern suburbs and across Hobart wants to be here. Come on. And we'll still be able to do our adult things. <laughs> Jesus said this. Come on, come back. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear fruit. Now, we've got some trees at home that Alex is somewhat concerned about because they haven't started bearing fruit yet. She's planted a lemon tree and, and we, we addressed some of the initial problems with it, little Little furry, hoppy creatures were, 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 were just holding it back in its life's development. So we, we put a, a thing around it. And now, and it's going really well. But, but it, it, sort of, it sort of gets flowers, but it doesn't, it doesn't come into fruit yet. Now recently, I don't know if this is right or not, but Alex was talking to somebody and they said, oh no, they, they've actually got to grow. They've got to get to a certain age or a certain part of their development before they can bear fruit. Now this is a lemon tree. At least two years. Well, it's, it's on borrowed time. <laughs> I, I, can, I can actually read some other stuff out of, out of John 15 that could happen to it. But you see, if, if, if something grows, if it gets to a, if, if fruit is actually a result of growth and health, as Alex just told me, that's good. <laughs> you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Come on, lemon tree. Such branches are picked up, <laughs> thrown into the fire and burned. Who's encouraged? <laughs> hey, I'm joking, but be encouraged. You know what? Sometimes stuff happens in your life and it's like, oh, that, that, that opportunity's not there anymore or that thing's not there or that... You know, it's not like it used to be. But, but often it's, it's actually God just allowing some things to actually drop off us a bit and, and, and actually, you know, get us, get us healthy. Get, get, get us a bit leaner. Get us, get us ready for what he wants in us. And, and often we fight the stuff when, when God's saying, no, I am doing this for you so that you are healthy and you are going to grow. Just, just a week or so ago, was upstairs here, and we're having a we're having a combined um, ministers and leaders prayer meeting from uh, right across Hobart, and uh, you know we're just we're praying for for God to move in this city. Where we're praying for the gospel to to really go out there, and for people to find Jesus, and and, and there's great unity around that. And it was just like the Holy Spirit led me to a point of of thanking Him for some of the things that. I haven't particularly enjoyed or, or, or wanted to happen. Now, I'm not saying that everything was good about that, but what I am saying is that God showed me that he's actually doing something in that and, and there are some things that, that he just needs to, to make some changes in so that there is health and, and that we can all grow and we can actually be ready for what he's doing. 
And some of those things are, you know, the stuff that God will get rid of. No one likes giving stuff up, do they? Somebody talked this morning, it was Mark, just about, about you know, there's, there's a sense of, of when, we, when we give to it hurts, it gets to some place where, where God can grow. And, and at the risk of me going back to my same old cycling stories, it's, 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 the, it's the hurt and it's the pain that is actually growing you. And one of the problems about doing stuff like that when you're my age is you can actually keep going pretty good, but your fitness just disappears so quick if you're not right onto it. Like we get these younger guys that come and ride with us and, and they, you know, they haven't been out for, for three weeks and they come and bam, they, they, you, know, they, you know, we can sort of ride the same when, when us old guys have are, are been doing it all the time, but they can have some time off and they can come back and, and bam, they, they're right on there. It's great, isn't it, Jack? <laughs> but it, it is actually... It's the pain and it's the resistance that keeps you fit, that grows your muscles. And I think sometimes as as Christians, we actually believe that we've been called to a painless life. We believe that we've been called to, to, to actually just sail through things without anything being uncomfortable or hurting. Whereas if we want to grow, there will actually be times where there is some resistance, where, where, where things hurt a little bit. And, and God's saying, it's all right, keep going, keep going, because I am making you strong. I am giving you more resistance. I am I'm allowing you to become the person that I need you to be for the next season. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask for whatever you wish and it will be done. Isn't that cool? You see, 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 growth, growth. Growth means that you get yourself in line with the will of God and you find yourself praying in line with the will of God and there is an amazing synergy there and it's like, wow. You know, our, our prayers go from, you know, those, those, those just, oh, bless me, bless me, bless me, Lord. To, to, to those prayers where, where you're actually sensing the heart of God and you're praying for things in line with Him. And it's like, as we, as we develop in that, as we grow in that, He says, you know, you start to pray more audacious prayers. Start to pray bigger prayers. Start to pray these prayers that are lining up with, the, with God's kingdom. And if you, anything you ask in my name, I'll be there. How do you pray prayers like that? Well, obviously we've got to grow. You've got to climb up. <laughs> get out of the stuff. Put your head up. Have a look. Get a God perspective. Take responsibility. Stand at your post. Stand where God's called you to be. You know, is that in your workplace? Is that, is that where he stationed you at the moment? Is that in your family? Is that something in your church? Is that, is that there's a station that God has got for you there? And I just want to encourage you, Pete, as even I talked this morning about the, uh, uh, you know, about the men's breakfast. And, you know, I remember meeting with you in, in, at a cafe. I reckon it must have been eight years ago. 
and, and you know, you were just sharing the vision of what you've had on your heart of that. And I, I think that the way that you've stood at your post and the way that you've stood at what God has called you to do and take responsibility for those things, that, that even in this season of your life, that there is going to be growth, that there is going to be fruit as you continue to stand at your post and you continue to be where God has called you to be, you're going to be amazed at what He actually does through that and in that. And I believe that there are people all across this place now, and some of you, some of you know where your post is, and it's, I'm in the stuff, and he's just saying, come on, come on, come on. All you've got to do is take a step. It's just like me stepping from here to this box here, and you get on your post, and you stand where he's called you to be, and you take responsibility in that space, and you're going to start hearing new vision and revelation from God, and suddenly things are going to light up for you. Stand at your post. It's just, I don't know, Jamie and, and Ollie. Ollie's here on the camera, but I, these guys are going to get married. That's cool. But I want to encourage you guys, stand at your post. Stand at your post. The, the stuff that you know, that, that it, it mightn't be, you know, in the first instance, it mightn't seem world-changing, but there is a sense as you take responsibility for those things that you know are, are, are calling on your life and you step and you stand at that. And, and I think initially the steps are not big ones. The, the, steps are, the steps are just up. Stand at your post. God's going to continue to speak and there's going to be an inspiration that's come and, and you, you, will, you will bring, you'll bring refreshing to so many others as you stand at your post. Watch and see. Watch and see. Watch up. Wait up. Listen to God. Turn the news off. Listen to God. <laughs> Turn social media off. Listen to God. Sometimes it's even. turning off certain voices in our world and listening to God. Stay connected. See, John 15, the key, the absolute key to growth is staying connected. If my words remain in you and you remain in me, you will grow. The important thing is that you're grafted to the vine, to the family. I think we get too worried about the the peripheral things. My last gardening analogy. You'd think I'm a great gardener, I'm not. (laughs) But but we 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 grow we grow some berries and things like that. And 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 particularly our, our Loganberry bush, what it does is it grows up these amazing, healthy-looking green shoots. And, and, and Alex said, oh, no, they're water shoots. In other words, they don't, they don't produce fruit. They actually just pretty much suck up all the energy of the plant and they take all the water. So what do you do? You cut them off. And you get rid of them, and then the, and the rest of the plant, the energy then goes into the fruit-bearing part of the plant. 
And sometimes we're so worried about, about, about you know, certain things that, that don't happen anymore or things that change or, or things that are a bit different where, where God's saying, it's all right. I, I want to focus. I want to focus on the core part of you. I want to focus on where you are healthy, where you are grow, where you're going to develop and where, you're, where fruit is going to come. And there's some words here for people this morning. I, I, I think that, that there are people here and you're wondering what, what, why, why there's not quite the health there. And, and the Lord would say, you know, you, you've, just, you've just allowed distraction, not on things that are not bad. There's nothing wrong with those water shoots per se. They're, they're, they're healthy and they look good. But, but, you know, there are things that are going on and, and it's, they're not, it's not like you're doing really bad things or anything like that, but he's saying, just allow the Lord to, to just shape and some of those things will drop off and your core will become healthy. And you will grow and you will bear much fruit. I'll finish with this. Jesus said, John 17, where we were last week, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as we are one. Father, and I am in you. Father, I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I've given them glory as you gave the glory you gave me, so they will be one as we are one. I am in them and you're in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me, that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want those whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. Wow. That's perhaps the real Lord's Prayer. The one we called the Lord's Prayer was Him showing us how to pray. That is Jesus praying for you. Just receive that this morning. Why don't we stand? Real love. That love Jesus has got for you, that prayer he has. It gathers, it grows, it reaches.